The lesson is written in the eighth chapter of Romans, beginning at the 18th verse. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. The creation waits in eager expectation for the sons of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the glorious freedom of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. But hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what he already has? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. Here endeth the lesson. The Holy Gospel is written in the sixth chapter of the Gospel according to St. Matthew, beginning at the 25th verse. Glory be to thee, O Lord. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food, and the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Praise be to thee, O Christ. Let me pray as we come to God's Word. Heavenly Father, we have just declared our faith in your Son, uh, whose words we have heard spoken this morning. We pray that you would uh, send your Holy Spirit who gives life, that he might give us life as we hear, that he might build our faith, and that you would transform us. We pray these things for Jesus' sake. Amen. 
If you'd like to have that passage from Matthew chapter 6 open on page 971. They're they're familiar words of Jesus, um, so much so, in fact, that I admit when I saw them assigned in the lectionary, I thought, well, what are the other readings? Maybe I'll be able to say something new about those. Uh, But despite uh, the familiarity which, which can sometimes lull us into a false sense of security. We, we know this, we know this. I, for one, still worry. Uh, perhaps some of you do too. Uh, so this is a sermon I'm preaching to myself um, as much as to all of you. Uh, but as I was reading this, uh, there were a couple of things particularly which stood out to me. Um, so I just want to share those with you this morning. Uh, the first thing that stood out to me came from the very first word of the passage, in fact, in verse 25, therefore, I tell you. And I know I've read that before, I've read this passage before, but I'm not sure that I'd really ever seen that before. And because in our Bibles it's, it's given a new section, it's given a new heading, I would just thought that Jesus was moving on to a new section of his Sermon on the Mount, but, but actually, he's carrying on what he has just said. Therefore, I tell you, he says. He's linking worrying to something that he's just said. And that is in verse 24. You cannot serve both God and money. You cannot have two masters. Jesus is saying that, that worrying is in fact a sign that we are serving a master other than God. So this section, it struck me, is actually about how we serve God. So how do we do that? What is Jesus' answer to the question of how we serve God? Well, the answer he gives is that we serve God by trusting him. Look at verse 26, what he says about the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. God gives to them as they have need. Verse 28, Why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. And yet, God clothes them. We serve God by trusting him to provide our needs. Now, there are two errors that we can fall into at this point. Uh, We can be falsely spiritual about this, Uh, Or we can be falsely practical about this. Uh, We we could be falsely spiritual by by looking at what Jesus is saying and thinking, well, actually, food is just not important. He he doesn't care about food. That's that's far too practical and and earthly. Jesus is far above such things. We shouldn't really be spending time on that at all. Uh, Maybe I don't even need to go to Tesco or Sainsbury's this week. God will just provide me the food uh, when I need it. I can sit back and relax. That is a danger. I think, I think it's less of a danger in our culture, but, but that is one of the dangers. Uh, but on the other side, we can fall into the danger of being falsely practical about this. Uh, we have the money that we need to buy food and clothing. We, we don't really need to take much time to acknowledge God, uh, our need for him to provide for us. Uh, we, can, we can end up denying God's existence by our actions, even if we affirm him by our words. Uh, That, I believe, is a far greater risk for us. 
And Jesus warns against both of these errors. You see in verse 32 that the pagans run after all these things, food, clothing, drink, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. So we, we mustn't be falsely spiritual because, because God knows we need these things. We need these practical things for our life. No one is more practical than God. So we mustn't be falsely spiritual. But at the same time, Jesus says, it's not life more important than food, in verse 25. It's not the body more important than clothing. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, verse 33. If we become overly and falsely practical and focusing on our, on our physical needs, our physical needs for food and clothing, Jesus says we, we become just like everyone else, running after these things and failing to trust that God will provide for us. So we serve God by trusting him to supply all our needs. Mandy and I recently had an opportunity to um, put this into practice. Uh, I, I admit this is, this is not a story about not worrying, I confess that now, um, but it is a story of God's provision. We've been uh, house-sitting for two uh, different families from the church, which has been a great provision for us. It's enabled us to save while we've looked uh, for housing. And the, the last house sit ended just before we went uh, to visit Mandy's family. Uh, and we had the option, the opportunity for another couple of weeks when we came back till the end of this month, uh, if we needed it. Uh, and then nothing that we could see. Um, so we were... Um, praying and, and worrying in hopefully equal measure. Um, well, hopefully not equal measure with worrying, but we didn't know what to do. We were, um, so we were in great need of, of God's provision. Uh, and I had emailed uh, Wycliffe, where I studied before Christmas, to see if they had any houses available and hadn't heard anything. We, we put a notice in the notice sheet here uh, at the beginning of January and had an immediate response from that. Someone in the church had a friend who, they, uh, who wanted to let their house. And so we, we rang this friend of theirs, went to visit her uh, a couple of days later. And she was uh, very kind and, and offered her house to us at a, a greatly reduced rent from what the market rate would be. Uh, but it was still beyond our means and it would have meant continuing to store uh, our things which we've been storing while we were house-sitting. Uh, we went to look at the things we had in storage that evening um, just to see whether we could perhaps just, just give them away or what we could fit into the house. And thanks to the uh, somewhat wintry weather, uh, everything was damp and beginning to mould. So that Thursday evening, um, we were not full of faith uh, and hope for the future. Uh, in fact, we were, we were just pretty crushed. We, we thought this had been the opportunity. A house had become available. God was answering our prayers, and then uh, it seemed the whole thing had fallen apart. And we were questioning him. And the next morning, we were reading our, our daily devotion, which said something about, you know, the Lord will come and provide soon. And I um, had the rather unclergy-like thought, yeah, right, I don't think so. Went to work, uh, had a, a text from the lady whose house uh, was available, and she said, well, I know 
I want to let it to you furnished, but, but I could offer it to you unfurnished if that would help. So we thought, well, that would help greatly. Um, we were going home that evening. We, we told her we would um, we'd just pray and think about it and let her know. Um, went home that evening. We're praying, Lord, please show us if this is, if this is not the right thing to do, then uh, please make that clear to us now. I opened my email, uh, and there, four weeks later, was an email from Wycliffe saying that they had a house available um, at a rent that we could afford, uh, that we could move into straight away before we went to see Mandy's parents. And it was unfurnished, so we could get all our stuff out of the mouldy garage. And it was a wonderful provision from God. He provided for our needs, even though we, we weren't necessarily trusting him at that point. Uh, and it was incredibly gracious. Uh, and that leads me to the, the second thing which really stood out to me in this passage. Because for, for Mandy and I, our, our trust in God uh, wavered when we doubted his goodness and his character. That, that was the thing that really hit us. Was he actually good? We, we, we know he can provide, but, but will he? And, and if we've gone through, through hardship of any kind, whether it's uh, not having a home, whether it's, it's unemployment, we've been made redundant, whether we've gone through a period of, of prolonged sickness or bereavement, whatever it is, the, these things can erode our, our trust in God if we doubt his character. So, so let's look at what Jesus says about God's character. Well, he says in verse 29, God is generous, yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. We, we mustn't make this mistake of thinking that God is stingy, that, that he'll provide for us, but, but at a really merely basic level. You need clothing, he'll give you a sack. That, that is not what Jesus says here. He says he clothes grass, which is it's just going to be burnt tomorrow. It's not even around for very long. He clothes it more gloriously than Solomon in all his splendor. He's incredibly generous to, to grass. How much more? How much more will he clothe us? He's, he's incredibly generous. Secondly, he is, he is kind. Again, in verse 26, the, the birds of the air do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. The, the birds aren't, aren't working, they're not, they're not sowing, they're not harvesting, they're not storing away, they're not doing anything really, and yet God feeds them. And then Jesus adds, are you not much more valuable than they? The, the kindness of God to, to birds can be seen, uh, and Jesus says, uh, as his children, we're, we're much more valuable than they are. He's not exasperated by our needs. Uh, he's not exhausted by them. He, he has time and energy and provision to, to give to all the birds. Uh, and they're just the kind of afterthoughts because we are his valued children. He's incredibly kind. Uh, and then finally, he is gracious. And this, this was the thing that really, when, when Mandy and I needed that have this was the thing that struck me uh, that day. Verse 30. How much more, sorry, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? When Mandy and I needed housing, we, we were those of little faith, genuinely and truly. We, we did not really believe 
that God was going to come through. And, and he still did. Will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? He, he, doesn't, he doesn't wait for, for us to kind of boost our faith levels to, to the point where he, he can give to us and provide. He, he doesn't hang back waiting for us to prove ourselves. No, he, he gives, he provides to those of little faith. And, and that, that Friday evening when, when the email from Wycliffe came through, uh, at, at, after our, our lowest point, I, w- I was struck by how gracious God was and God is. He shows himself gracious at the point of our greatest need. So we, we serve God by trusting him for all our needs because of his character, because he is a generous, kind, and gracious God, and he loves to provide for us. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we, we thank you for revealing the Father to us, uh, revealing his character to us, and we pray that in all our needs, whatever they are here this morning, we pray that you would grant us the faith to trust you, and we thank you that you will provide for us. Amen.